Question 39, Part 2 of Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 39. Of the Baptizing of Christ, in Eight Articles. Part 2. Articles 6 through 8. Sixth Article. Whether it is fitting to say that when Christ was baptized, the Holy Ghost came down on him in the form of a dove. Objection 1. It would seem that it is not fitting to say that when Christ was baptized, the Holy Ghost came down on him in the form of a dove. For the Holy Ghost dwells in man by grace. But the fullness of grace was in the man Christ from the beginning of his conception, because he was the only begotten of the Father, as is clear from what has been said above, in question 7, article 12, and in question 34, article 1. Therefore, the Holy Ghost should not have been sent to him at his baptism. Objection to further. Christ is said to have descended into the world in the mystery of the Incarnation when he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, according to Philippians 2.7. But the Holy Ghost did not become incarnate. Therefore, it is unbecoming to say that the Holy Ghost descended upon him. Objection 3. Further, that which is accomplished in our baptism should have been shown in Christ's baptism as in an exemplar. But in our baptism no visible mission of the Holy Ghost takes place. Therefore, neither should a visible mission of the Holy Ghost have taken place in Christ's baptism. Objection for further. The Holy Ghost is poured forth on others through Christ, according to John 1.16. Of his fullness we have all received. But the Holy Ghost came down on the apostles in the form, not of a dove, but of fire. Therefore, neither should he have come down on Christ in the form of a dove, but in the form of fire. On the contrary, it is written in Luke 3.22, The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape as a dove upon him. I answer that, what took place with respect to Christ in his baptism, as Chrysostom says in his homily number 4 on the Gospel of Matthew, is connected with the mystery accomplished in all who were to be baptized afterwards. Now, all those who are baptized with the baptism of Christ receive the Holy Ghost, unless they approach unworthily, according to Matthew 3.11. He shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Therefore, it was fitting that when our Lord was baptized, the Holy Ghost should descend upon him. Reply to Objection 1. As Augustine says, in on the trinity 15 
It is most absurd to say that Christ received the Holy Ghost when he was already thirty years old. For when he came to be baptized, since he was without sin, therefore was he not without the Holy Ghost. For if it is written of John that he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, what must we say of the man Christ, whose conception in the flesh was not carnal but spiritual? Therefore now, that is, at his baptism, he deigned to foreshadow his body, that is, the church, in which those who are baptized receive the Holy Ghost in a special manner. Reply to Objection 2 As Augustine says in On the Trinity 2, the Holy Ghost is said to have descended on Christ in a bodily shape, as a dove, not because the very substance of the Holy Ghost was seen, for he is invisible, nor as though that visible creature were assumed into the unity of the divine person, since it is not said that the Holy Ghost was the dove, as it is said that the Son of God is man by reason of the union. Nor again was the Holy Ghost seen under the form of a dove after the manner in which John saw the slain lamb in the Apocalypse, in chapter 5, verse 6. For the latter vision took place in the Spirit through spiritual images of bodies, whereas no one ever doubted that this dove was seen by the eyes of the body, nor again did the Holy Ghost appear under the form of a dove in the sense in which it is said in 1 Corinthians 10.4, Now the rock was Christ, for the latter had already a created existence, and through the manner of its action was called by the name of Christ, whom it signified. Whereas this dove came suddenly into existence, to fulfill the purpose of its signification, and afterwards ceased to exist, like the flame which appeared in the bush to Moses. Hence the Holy Ghost is said to have descended upon Christ, not by reason of his being united to the dove, but either because the dove itself signified the Holy Ghost, inasmuch as it descended when it came upon him, or again by reason of the spiritual grace, which is poured out by God, so as to descend, as it were, on the creature according to James 1.17. Every best gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Reply to Objection 3. As Chrysostom says in his homily 12 on the Gospel of Matthew, At the beginning of all spiritual transactions, sensible visions appear, for the sake of them who cannot conceive at all an incorporeal nature, so that, though afterwards no such thing occur, they may shape their faith according to that which has occurred once for all. And therefore the Holy Ghost descended visibly, under a bodily shape, on Christ at his baptism, in order that we may believe him to descend invisibly on all those who are baptized. Reply to Objection 4. The Holy Ghost appeared over Christ at his baptism under the form of a dove for four reasons. First, on account of the disposition required in the one baptized, namely, that he approach in good faith. 
since as it is written in wisdom one five the holy spirit of discipline will flee from the deceitful for the dove is an animal of a simple character void of cunning and deceit whence it is said in matthew ten sixteen be ye simple as doves secondly in order to designate the seven gifts of the holy ghost which are signified by the properties of the dove for the dove dwells beside the running stream in order that on perceiving the hawk it may plunge in and escape this refers to the gift of wisdom whereby the saints dwell beside the running waters of holy scripture in order to escape the assaults of the devil again the dove prefers the more choice seeds this refers to the gift of knowledge whereby the saints make choice of sound doctrines with which they nourish themselves further the dove feeds the brood of other birds this refers to the gift of counsel with which the saints by teaching and example feed men who have been the brood that is imitators of the devil again the dove tears not with its beak this refers to the gift of understanding wherewith the saints do not rend sound doctrines as heretics do again the dove has no gall this refers to the gift of piety by reason of which the saints are free from unreasonable anger again the dove builds its nest in the cleft of a rock this refers to the gift of fortitude wherewith the saints build their nest that is take refuge and hope in the death wounds of christ who is the rock of strength lastly the dove has a plaintive song this refers to the gift of fear wherewith the saints delight in bewailing sins thirdly the holy ghost appeared under the form of a dove on account of the proper effect of baptism which is the remission of sins and reconciliation with god for the dove is a gentle creature wherefore as chrysostom says in his twelfth homily on the gospel of matthew at the deluge this creature appeared bearing an olive branch and published the tidings of the universal peace of the whole world and now again the dove appears at the baptism pointing to our deliverer fourthly the holy ghost appeared over our lord at his baptism in the form of a dove in order to designate the common effect of baptism namely the building up of the unity of the church hence it is written in ephesians 5 verses 25 through 27 christ delivered himself up that he might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing cleansing it by the laver of water in the word of life therefore it was fitting that the holy ghost should appear at the baptism under the form of a dove which is a creature both loving and gregarious wherefore also it is said of the church in the song of songs six eight one is my dove but on the apostles the holy ghost descended under the form of fire for two reasons 
first to show with what fervor their hearts were to be moved so as to preach christ everywhere though surrounded by opposition and therefore he appeared as a fiery tongue hence augustine says in his commentary on the gospel of john our lord manifests the holy ghost visibly in two ways namely by the dove coming upon the lord when he was baptized by fire coming upon the disciples when they were met together in the former case simplicity is shown in the latter fervor we learn then from the dove that those who are sanctified by the spirit should be without guile and from the fire that their simplicity should not be left to wax cold nor let it disturb any one that the tongues were cloven in the dove recognize unity secondly because as chrysostom says since sins had to be forgiven which is effected in baptism meekness was required this is shown by the dove but when we have obtained grace we must look forward to be judged and this is signified by the fire seventh article whether the dove in which the holy ghost appeared was real objection one it would seem that the dove in which the holy ghost appeared was not real for that seems to be a mere apparition which appears in its semblance but it is stated in luke three twenty two that the holy ghost descended in a bodily shape as a dove upon him therefore it was not a real dove but a semblance of a dove objection to further just as nature does nothing useless so neither does god according to on the heavens one now since this dove came merely in order to signify something and pass away as augustine says in on the trinity too a real dove would have been useless because the semblance of a dove was sufficient for that purpose therefore it was not a real dove objection three further the properties of a thing lead us to a knowledge of that thing if therefore this were a real dove its properties would have signified the nature of the real animal and not the effect of the holy ghost therefore seems that it was not a real dove on the contrary augustine says in on christian struggle twenty two nor do we say this as though we asserted that our lord jesus christ alone had a real body and that the holy ghost appeared to men's eyes in fallacious manner but we say that both these bodies were real I answer that, as stated above in question 5, article 1, it was unbecoming that the Son of God, who is the truth of the Father, should make use of anything unreal, wherefore he took not an imaginary, but a real body. And since the Holy Ghost is called the Spirit of Truth, as appears from John 16, 13, 
therefore he too made a real dove in which to appear though he did not assume it into the unity of person wherefore after the words quoted above augustine adds just as it behooved the son of god not to deceive men so it behooved the holy ghost not to deceive but it was easy for almighty god who created all creatures out of nothing to frame the body of a real dove without the help of other doves just as it was easy for him to form a true body in mary's womb without the seed of a man since the corporeal creature obeys its lord's command and will both in the mother's womb in forming a man and in the word itself in forming a dove reply to objection one the holy ghost is said to have descended in the shape or semblance of a dove not in the sense that the dove was not real but in order to show that he did not appear in the form of his substance reply to objection to it was not superfluous to form a real dove in which the holy ghost might appear because by the very reality of the dove the reality of the Holy Ghost and of his effects is signified. Reply to Objection 3 The properties of the dove lead us to understand the dove's nature and the effects of the Holy Ghost in the same way, because from the very fact that the dove has such properties, it results that it signifies the Holy Ghost. Eighth article, whether it was becoming, when Christ was baptized, that the Father's voice should be heard, bearing witness to the Son. Objection 1. It would seem that it was unbecoming, when Christ was baptized, for the Father's voice to be heard, bearing witness to the Son. For the Son and the Holy Ghost, according as they have appeared visibly, are said to have been visibly sent but it does not become the Father to be sent, as Augustine makes it clear in On the Trinity too. Neither, therefore, does it become him to appear. Objection to further. The voice gives expression to the word conceived in the heart. But the Father is not the word. Therefore, he is unfittingly manifested by a voice. Objection 3. Further, the man Christ did not begin to be Son of God at his baptism, as some heretics have stated. But he was Son of God from the beginning of his conception. Therefore, the Father's voice should have proclaimed Christ's Godhead at his nativity, rather than at his baptism. On the contrary, it is written in Matthew 3.17, Behold a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I answer that, as stated above in Article 5, that which is accomplished in our baptism should be manifested in Christ's baptism, which was the exemplar of ours. Now the baptism, which the faithful receive, is hallowed by the invocation and power of the Trinity, according to Matthew 28.19. Go ye and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, as Jerome says on Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, the mystery of the Trinity is shown forth in Christ's baptism. Our Lord himself is baptized in his human nature. The Holy Ghost descended in the shape of a dove. The Father's voice is heard bearing witness to the Son. Therefore, it was becoming that in the baptism the Father should be manifested by a voice. Reply to Objection 1. The visible mission adds something to the apparition, to wit, the authority of the sender. Therefore the Son and the Holy Ghost, who are from another, are said not only to appear, but also to be sent visibly. But the Father, who is not from another, can appear indeed, but cannot be sent visibly. Reply to Objection 2. The Father is manifested by the voice only as producing the voice or speaking by it. And since it is proper to the Father to produce the word, that is, to utter or to speak, therefore was it most becoming that the Father should be manifested by a voice, because the voice designates the word. Wherefore the very voice to which the Father gave utterance bore witness to the sonship of the word. And just as the form of the dove in which the Holy Ghost was made manifest is not the nature of the Holy Ghost, nor is the form of man in which the Son himself was manifested, the very nature of the Son of God, so neither does the voice belong to the nature of the Word or of the Father who spoke. Hence, in John 5.37, our Lord says, Neither have you heard his that is, the Father's, voice at any time, nor seen his shape. By which words, as Chrysostom says in his homily number 40 on the Gospel of John, he gradually leads them to the knowledge of the philosophical truth, and shows them that God has neither voice nor shape, but is above all such forms and utterances. And just as the whole Trinity made both the dove and the human nature assumed by Christ, so also they formed the voice. Yet the Father alone as speaking is manifested by the voice, just as the Son alone assumed human nature, and the Holy Ghost alone is manifested in the dove, as Augustine makes evident. Reply to Objection 3 it was becoming that Christ's Godhead should not be proclaimed to all in his nativity, but rather that it should be hidden while he was subject to the defects of infancy. But when he attained to the perfect age, when the time came for him to teach, to work miracles, and to draw men to himself, then did it behoove his Godhead to be attested from on high by the Father's testimony so that his teaching might become the more credible. Hence he says in John 5.37, The Father himself who sent me hath given testimony of me. And specially at the time of baptism, by which men are born again into adopted sons of God. Since God's sons by adoption 
are made to be like unto his natural son according to romans eight twenty nine whom he foreknew he also predestined to be made conformable to the image of his son hence hilary says in his commentary on the gospel of matthew too that when jesus was baptized the holy ghost descended on him and the father's voice was heard saying this is my beloved son that we might know from what was accomplished in christ that after being washed in the waters of baptism the holy ghost comes down upon us from on high and that the father's voice declares us to have become the adopted sons of god end of question thirty nine read by michael shane craig lambert l c